all you nerds out there, this is Nerdy by Nature. I'm your host, Tyler, a.k.a. Agent Smith. And I'm Charlie, a.k.a. Captain Rogers. And it's time to float, Nerdy by Nature fans. That's right, we're going to be going over and recapping the It movie series. So, of course, we'll start with the original TV series that was split into two parts, directed by Tommy Lee Wallace back in 1990. And from there, we'll gravitate towards the remake from 2017. And, of course, the number one movie in the country right now, the blockbuster hit. Debatable. Debatable, yeah. It Chapter 2, and so we'll get into all of that, of course. That was directed by none other than Andy Muschietti, and uh, you know both are incredibly watchable. I think the the first one arguably is a little bit better. But before we get into all of that, Charlie, let's go ahead and go back to the beginning where it all started, and that, of course, being the original mini TV series set in good old Derry, Maine. Yeah, I didn't see it when it originally aired on TV. I was, of course, too young. I was like five years old when it first came on, but I've seen it several times since then, and I will say that I really enjoyed the original. Obviously, you've got very well-known Tim Curry as Pennywise, and that character is the quintessential horror character. Nobody likes a killer clown. No, not Nobody really likes a clown, honestly, but... <laughs> Unless you're going to the circus, maybe. Um, yeah, maybe. I waited until I was older. Obviously, I remember when I was young seeing, you know, the clown and different things, just different pictures of him and stuff like that, but my parents wouldn't have let me watch the movie when it first came on. It's not near as bad now when you watch it, obviously. It's dated. It's from the 90s. It's obviously TV quality versus movie quality, but it still holds up for me. Like, I still enjoy it when I watch it now. I've only watched it, like, probably probably three times in my life just because it used to scare me a lot when I was a little kid. Oh, and rightfully so. I mean, you're talking about a killer clown space entity right. <laughs> that, that knows every bit of your worst and most intimate fears. And so, like, that's terrifying even as an adult. Right. So let alone trying to look at that as a kid. I mean, yeah, try going to the circus after watching that film. No way. Right. I mean just incredibly creepy and like you said Tim Curry does a great job and that's testament to his acting you could pretty much name a movie there in the 90s and he's probably been a part of it oh yeah uh, and he just really sold that creepiness of this just clown from the circus that wants to be your friend but then it turns out that <laughs> it's a lot scarier than that right uh, and even the first scene right off the bat you got that poor little girl on her tricycle just having a go of it in the neighborhood regular day right mom calls her in for supper and she doesn't make it and that, right that's and you see is that tricycle turned over, wheels still spinning, and that really just sets the tone for, okay, clearly this clown from space that's an alien creature right. being has an M.O. For, for children, so that's creepy from the get-go. Right, and in that spot of the movie, right after that scene, while the cops are there, you meet the first group member as a grown-up, uh, Mike, and I did find it a little odd that he was there on a crime scene and the cop was telling him all the details of the crime and the crime scene and he's a librarian right you, you would think the local police force would probably not want to disclose right crime scene information right obviously being a small town i guess you could say probably known these guys forever and one of them does come up and say what are you doing here you're not supposed to be here so but it just it kind of struck me as funny when i first watched it that a cop was sitting there telling him all these details of his case but i will say that the 90s miniseries versus the new remakes the way it's split up in the old one, you kind of move back and forth between the group of kids as adults versus kids. So you get that throughout the whole series. And in the new movies, the first movie is them as kids. 
kid the whole time. And then the second one, yes, it shows flashbacks when they were kids, but it's mainly when they're adults. And I kind of think that that hindered the movie a little bit, the remake. I would have to agree with that point because there there was definitely that feel of separation, uh, which, I mean, yes, of course, obviously you're going to have that whenever you do a two-part movie. But like you said with the TV series, there was still, even with both of the part one and part two, right? there was still flashbacks in, in both instances. Mm-hmm. And I feel like both of them did a great job of adding good balance to those flashbacks. They showed each character getting older right. and then flashing back at that moment of what it did to them as a child. Right. And then would flash right back to them as adults and saw that they were even still very much terrified of this entity. Right. To your point, I think the the transition from part one to part two in the mini TV series that is now, of course, a all-encompassing three-hour and 12-minute film that you can watch on a number of different streaming platforms was a much smoother transition between those two because they set it up in such a way to where you understood and were introduced to each character both as an adult and a child. And I just think that made such a a big difference. Whereas it felt like the other two movies that were remade, while they were incredibly well done, were just drug out at times for no reason. And so that that it felt a little more rocky or that you really had to set up things in such a a way when you did it that way to to separate, okay, this is going to be the kid version of it. This is going to be them coming back as adults. Right. And, you know, obviously things are a lot scarier when you're a kid versus an adult. So having you as a kid and an adult throughout the whole thing you get a lot more of those creepy and these kids are going through this and you understand their fears versus the new remake in the second movie they're all adults yes you get some flashback during it but for the most part they're adults so the everything that happens is a lot less scary and unfortunately I will, I will say to that point that the flashbacks in the older one the fear feels a little more real right when they're going back and they get that call from Mike and right. they realize oh crap it's back oh yeah and, and they, then they go back to that, those moments. Right, and they all have, like, really <laughs> dramatic reactions when they all get that call. It's kind of funny when you look at it, but, like, every one of them, they could be, like, the happiest adults. Of course, none of them really seem like they are, but but as soon as they hear Mike say it's back, they just kind of, I don't know. I mean, you can see the upset in them. Oh, yeah, it's for the most part. Body language all over, yeah. Right, and in the 90s version and in the new version, yeah, it's crazy to me because in both it seems like once they leave Derry and go on with their lives, they don't remember anything. Mike's the only one that remembers. In both versions, he's the only one that remembers everything. And apparently that's just because he's stayed in Derry his whole life. It's crazy, especially in the 90s version, when he calls Bill to tell him. Bill, like, all of a sudden starts remembering everything, and he, like, even forgets that he had a brother that was killed. And that's just crazy to me. I don't know how you feel about that, but... Yeah, no, and I... That was a, an interesting scene for sure when he calls and he's like, oh, I almost, I can't believe I almost forgot about my brother. And it's like, right. I mean, that was the whole point of the first, you know, part one was, right. you know, Georgie getting taken away by it. And then your mission at that point in life being to try and get him back or you know, go after it and, and kill it once and for all. And so the fact that a lot of these folks that had left and just completely put it out of sight, out of mind, it sounds like they maybe even cut off all contact from, right, <laughs> from, from your family. Families and everything, because honestly, in both versions, it doesn't really delve a whole lot into their family life. Obviously, Richie, or not Richie, Eddie, hypochondriac. Oh, yeah. With the Hardcore. asthma and everything <laughs> like that. You get a glimpse of his mom, and apparently she's why he's such a hypochondriac. And then Beverly, her dad 
it's very very much hinted that there was some kind of abuse oh, in in sure. that on multiple levels right in both versions like when Beverly goes back she doesn't even know that her dad died so that just seemed odd to me I mean right, obviously just we just disconnect. right we kind of just kind of take it as it is but I just don't see even if you had a bad life I don't see how you would all of a sudden not ever talk to your family again or not know what happens with them but but yeah that was interesting to me because none of them other than Mike and I mean it makes sense I guess obviously when they leave Derry they disconnect from all of that and Mike never did so he has to kind of catch them all back up on what happened and and they all kind of it comes back to them more and more so in your opinion what would you think like out of all the members of the Losers Club and in the 90s version versus today's version do you feel like there were good transitions for the young version versus the older version better in some of the characters and not in the others yeah no. great question and I, I think it's like we talked about before this particular podcast episode is that mm-hmm. the 90s version I feel like did a little smoother job of relatability in the sense of we could look at these younger characters as kids and then see someone like John Ritter right you know playing Richie and be like yeah that fits that makes sense right. ben. so Ben my yeah. apologies no you're fine I and, get them all mixed up <laughs> right there's a, a couple of different characters working here right but I feel like that they did a really good job of the believability of mm. each child actor growing up and becoming the adult actor in the original right and that's not to say that in the remake they didn't do a good job of casting they did a great job of casting oh yeah they did it's just some of them in the chapter 2 version I think were a little less believable right as those child characters growing into their adult versions right I, the reason that I brought up Ben is I think that's because that's the one that I I had a hard time really seeing in the sense that he went from you know lovable chubby kid to just completely shredded Chris Hemsworth looking guy right and it's like take the case of in the new version right right. in the new version in it chapter two or as you go back to the original mini TV series version and you've got somebody like John Ritter who is in good shape but I mean he's no bodybuilder right so to me that was a lot more believable to me than than the new version as well but like Eddie in the new version the the kid from Stranger Things that plays him in in part one going from him to well that's not Eddie that's see I told you I'm getting all of them mixed up but Bill Hader plays the older version of that kid right in Richie. the new version right so Eddie I'm not sure who the actor is that plays the older version of him but the the kid version is the actor that was in Shazam the one that played the I guess the disabled foster brother in Shazam okay. he played the the young version of Eddie and I felt like his transition from that kid to the adult version whoever that guy is he did a lot better job it felt like the same character to me right that was a seamless transition it felt like it was right. like oh yeah that's totally believable that this kid would grow up to be this guy and the, right. uh, the afternoon that you're looking for is james ransom ransom okay and of course he plays eddie casbrack the hypochondriac right right and he was i guess he was a lot less known of an actor versus like bill Hader as richie and i felt richie was a good transition oh yeah. from the kid that was in stranger things to bill Hader. he was great kind of brings up another issue with the part two for me in that just because obviously Bill Hader is very well known to be a very funny guy and always plays very funny characters and even the kid from Stranger Things playing him younger did a great job with the comedy but in the part two there was a lot of comedic moments with Bill Hader that were funny and they were great moments but they didn't really fit in this 
horror, you're supposed to be scared out of your mind situation. There were just some really weird comedic moments that didn't really fit to me. Right. There, there were plenty of moments of comedic relief that weren't really necessary because, like you said, when you're watching a horror film, at no point are you really supposed to be relieved. Right. Other than maybe certain moments where you're like, oh, okay, the character might make it. Right. You know, but yeah, when it comes to actual comedy, I, I noticed when I watched it in the theaters here recently that people seem to be laughing more than they were. I don't think I've ever actually seen too many people scream per se, but still, right. there were more people that seemed jovial than just laid back in their seat like, oh my gosh, this is terrifying. I'm not going to be able to sleep tonight. Because right. the, the first one, the remake of 2017, like that movie was terrifying. Yeah. And knew right away that this was something that's going to stick with you for a month or two down the road. You saw people, you know, that were tying red balloons to some of the, the street storm gutters in major cities. Oh, yeah. Or little neighborhoods. That's and so creepy. it's like, that's creepy. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, the first one, I think, that, honestly, I think it's that mindset like we talked about earlier of the fact that the first remake in 2017 was it going after these children. So you right. were just, you, the whole movie, you were in that mindset of, oh my gosh, if I was, you know, what are they, about 11 or 12, I think, or so? And, Somewhere around there, yeah. And it's like, if, if I were that age and I've got this crazy, demonic, space alien clown yep. coming after me that knows my worst fears, uh, it's just like, how would you make it through that? Right. You know, just going right. through that mental process. And it makes it even worse because, you know, they're going through this and as kids, they can't go to their parents about it. No, nobody parents, believes them. Right. Nobody's going to believe what they tell them and that's what makes it even scarier to be a kid in that situation and you can relate with that and so it worked really well in the 2017 part one and so I think that's why the first one was so great and obviously Pennywise was not I mean he was present you felt his presence and you saw him a few times but you didn't really see him all that much and that makes it even scarier versus in part two by the end of it for one they were all adults the whole time it was a lot harder for it to be scary and for another you saw him so much that by the end of it, I was not really scared, Pennywise. No, and really, you know? by, by the end of it, you pretty well knew all of his tricks up his sleeve. Right. You knew the jump moments. You were, were ready. I don't want to say that it was predictable, because, to be honest, it, Chapter 2 is a highly watchable movie. It's enjoyable. Oh, yeah. We'd recommend that you go see it. I would just tamper your expectations for this one because the first one was so good. Right. And I think what was, was so good about the first one is they, like you said, they really, he was there, but he wasn't. And, and mm-hmm. that's the whole, it's one of the scariest things about a horror film is this evil presence. You know, you're not right. really sure when it's going to pop up. That's the, builds that heart rate, that anticipation. Sometimes anticipation is just as important as the actual fear factor right. moment. And they did just great, a great job with each character building that. And there were a lot more jump scares in the first one versus part two as well. For sure. So, but going back to the characters themselves, uh, obviously McAvoy played the older version of Bill. And I feel like that one was very well done, going from the young version to the older version. And the fact that they brought the stutter in, and they did that in the 90, the 1990 miniseries as well, from when he was a kid to when he was an adult. And obviously, apparently when he's an adult, that went away because he forgot everything that happened from when he was a kid. Right. And so when, it, when he starts getting scared by this clown again and everything comes back to him, when he's nervous or when something's going on that stutter comes back and they did a really good job of bringing that in and that was an interesting aspect to that 
particular character for me in both the original miniseries and the remake. Yeah, and I think that's also just a testament to how great of an actor James McAvoy is. His performance was to be expected, and mm -hmm. I knew of anybody that was billed on this cast, he was going to be somebody that was going to bring it and make that seamless transition to be like, yep, that's pretty feasible, that's exactly what, how I would expect yeah. Bill to be as an adult, and then right. to, to bring that little you know, niche from the, the first original miniseries of that stutter back, mm -hmm. I just thought that was, was great when he got back to Derry, it, it came back and progressively got worse right. as he as the fear grew, mm -hmm. and there's a, a really great scene in chapter two, and that of course is they all have to go and get their tokens, so Mike is able to bring almost everybody right. back to town, and that's and that was a rough scene, to be honest, when, you know, of course we all know that Stanley doesn't make it in the original miniseries, so right. that had to follow, and I don't want to say it had to follow suit in right. chapter two, but we more or less knew it was coming. Yeah, they, they based stayed on that true original. to that portion of it. The tokens was new from the 90s version to today's version, so that was an interesting addition, and I see why they did it. I mean, it was a good way for them to bring it all together and give each character something to do and something to strive to get, you know. Right, I think it was an easy way for them to use flashbacks as well, like we saw in the original mini-TV series. Right. But I also can make the same argument that showing each one of them getting their own yeah. individual token felt a little bit unnecessary in the sense that you know, this is almost a three-hour movie in itself. Right. And I feel like they could have carved out a solid half hour oh, and still had the same effect and wrapped it up all nicely in a, a neat bow. Yeah, it was I mean, it was interesting to see each of them going after whatever it was that they were going after because you got I mean, each one of them kind of went on their own and obviously that's a big cliche thing from horror movies, you know never split up you always stay together and nobody ever stays together they always split up and then the worst happens but yeah I, I felt like that's why and when this movie dragged was just because you saw each of them go off on their own and each of them had an encounter with it and some kind of creature or, or something that they were afraid of but it just it felt like it dragged a little too much in that aspect as well as they were adults and so the stuff that was supposed to be scaring them didn't really come off as scary at least in my opinion i mean yeah there were creepy things but it was a lot harder to believe and and feel scared about like you know i, I just part two was not near as scary as part one was I, I, in this I, remake i have to agree with that and, and also you know in some of those breakaway scenes where it was just them individually i, I feel like instead of them dealing with fear that time around and i'd say that perhaps the director did this on purpose mm -hmm. you know the first movie of course they're all dealing with primarily solely fear just being stared out of their wits terrified right. children whereas in the second one in chapter two i think it's more so they all are coming to terms with who they've become as adults or right. maybe even for some of them that conflict or perhaps they're maybe hiding something of course with richie in particular there's a moment where it tells him repeatedly i know your dirty little secret mm -hmm. and it's uh, very heavily implied that there's a, you know, certainly a level of potential homosexuality um, that seemed like they were, were putting that into his character primarily, mostly in the second one, because we didn't get much of that in the way yeah, I didn't. of him as a kid in the first movie. Right, I didn't see that. And they even added a scene in the part two that was a flashback that helped that along, whereas in the part one it really wasn't implied at all. And, no. and that was something that was completely new for this remake that was, didn't have anything to do with the 1990s 
mini right. mini series. I think but, it, it added an interesting layer for sure, and it's one of those that you know he was very much so visibly you know terrified and rocked by that moment. Definitely, where, where it was like, oh gosh, you know, I, this is is not something that I want. That's not a cat that you know I, I want to let out of the bag right. just yet because that's personal, for, right. for for everybody. So I feel like in the second movie, it was more so you know their personal battles with not only it but some of their own demons internally. So maybe that's why it wasn't as scary, right, and, and more reflective. Uh, but again, it's a horror film, and you know we, when you pay that top ticket dollar for a blockbuster movie, you want to be scared. You don't want to necessarily, uh, which some movies you do watch and you you want to feel a certain way about it. But when you go to see a horror film, I right. just I feel like they they miss the mark. Uh, again, they cranked up Fear Factor to eleven in the first one, oh, and, yeah. and there are definitely some scary moments <laughs> in this movie that we'll talk about right in a th- minute. I but, think that it was just, and I don't know what the reasoning is. I don't know if maybe it was because they were adults and they felt like you needed to do more to scare an adult versus a kid but it just felt like they went a little too far with trying to scare in part two versus part one of the remake but it just some of the characters didn't work near as well as some of the others uh obviously jessica chastain is an amazing actress she's amazing in most everything she does and she wasn't bad by any means in this movie but i felt her being the older version of Beverly versus the actress that played the younger version of Beverly in the part one, that was a lot less of a believable transition to me than some of the others. Her and Ben, I would say, were the the two that were a lot less believable in the remake, going from the young version to the older version. I'll even say that I think their relationship as the the movie dragged along seemed a little bit harder to believe than the original. Agreed. Uh, Only in that... I think we all knew that was going to happen. Right. But I don't think it was one of those natural progressions per se. Right. It felt a lot more natural and believable in the miniseries than it did in this new version. And Mike uh, was probably the other one that felt pretty seamless in both versions. The younger character versus the older character, that felt like a good seamless transition. And speaking of Mike, that brings me to one of the more notable differences between the original miniseries and the movie and that is the origin and how to defeat Pennywise or it so in the new version apparently Mike took some kind of drug and he has an artifact that basically it's like cave drawings almost where it shows how Pennywise came to earth and how this group of Native Americans did some kind of ritual in order to defeat the Pennywise entity and so when they all get scared when everybody gets together as their older selves they all get scared by Pennywise which happened both in the new version and the miniseries and then all of the characters decide that they want to leave that they're not they're not going to do this they all remember what happened and then they have an occurrence where Pennywise tries to scare them most of them try to leave and Mike tells Bill that he needs to show him something before he goes and basically takes Bill into his home and gives him water to drink and little do we know at the time there whatever that drug is that he used to, for himself to see it he drugged that water and gave it to Bill and said I need to show you this and so they basically see a group of Native Americans doing some kind of ritual to defeat Pennywise however there's another part of it that Mike doesn't show Bill and they don't find out until later that this particular 
ritual doesn't work. Not at all. Or didn't work for the Native Americans. But anyway, that's how they find out how to destroy Pennywise. And that was a big difference from the original miniseries. I feel like it was a necessary one because you, I think most fans of this particular series were clamoring for some kind of backstory. You haven't read the book. Of course, you get all the details fleshed out in the book a lot better than what we would ever see on film in the mind of the genius that is Stephen King. Right. But for this particular remake, I feel like it was highly necessary to give us some type of backstory of how Pennywise or the It entity arrived here on Earth. How long has it been here? Right. How did somebody else deal with this? You know, we can't be the first ones to try and defeat It, so to speak. And it's very convenient for Mike to leave out that last part because as he knows, if he mentions what happened, they they already all want to leave. Right. That that, that would be the last straw of him saying, well, hey, there's a chance, but, you know. (laughs) It didn't work the first time. Just so you know, there's a a low risk of it working, but if we believe enough, I I think we can, like they did in the original miniseries, they had those kind of quote-unquote silver bullets that they used the slingshot for and killed Pennywise, so they thought, first time. Exactly. Not so much, and of course they had to come back as adults, as they do in this new film, and take him out once and for all, which in the original series, it was kind of a goofy moment. It was this, you know, you tell it was a puppeteered or animatronic spider creature. Right. And so, of course, you have to think it's the 90s. They didn't have access to what we have now. Oh, yeah. Um, So they were doing the best that they could with what they had. And that also brought up another interesting portion of the film, and that being the deadlights. Something that we didn't really know a a whole lot about, and we had to do a little bit of research. And per the Stephen King wiki page, so these deadlights were withering radiant orange lights, uh, very mysterious, but can also be very deadly and terrifying. And they come from the macroverse, which if you're familiar with Stephen King's work at all, that's a, a pretty big deal without, you know, amongst most of his storylines, uh, specifically The Dark Tower and Stephen King's It. And so the users of the deadlights can vary as to what they can do with the deadlights. Right. To the best of our knowledge from this Stephen King wiki page, It or Pennywise is actually comprised of deadlights. And so he forms into, he essentially the rule with his form, he's going to take form of wherever he's at or a form of something that is acceptable for that particular world. Right. And he has to go within the confines of that form. He can't necessarily go too crazy, so to speak. Right. And so he has the ability to immobilize or render defenseless these children or adults with the deadlights. And all it takes is a a brief look or even a stare and you're locked in. And we see that with Beverly's character in the remake and we also see that with some of the loser group in the original. Right. Yeah. And going back to the macroverse, that's one thing I do really like about Stephen King is that throughout all of his books, he has characters that kind of exist in all of these different worlds. Right. And, you know, I think at at this moment, before we close out this episode here on Nerdy by Nature, Charlie, something we haven't had a chance to talk about at length just yet is our scariest moments for each film. So I'll I'll let you start it out here with the the original. So what were some of the ones that stood out the most in the original two-part mini-TV series? I would say that one of the main ones that kind of freaked me out was when when they're still kids and Beverly goes home and she goes to the restroom 
and starts hearing kids talking in the sink drain. That kind of freaked me out. And then, obviously, big, I think it was a balloon, per se, but it was like a bubble of red starts coming out of the drain. <laughs> and then it explodes, and blood, like, goes everywhere. And it was just, what made it creepier was the fact that, like, she screams, and her dad comes in to see what's wrong. And he's, like, touching the sink and touching all this blood and getting blood all over everything. But he doesn't see it. And she does, and she's just sitting there like... You could tell that it made her even more scared because her dad didn't see it. And so she was just... He was wiping blood all over the place, and he even grabs her face at one time and tells her, you know, it's okay, blah, 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 and and wipes blood on her face. Oh, yeah. It's an uncomfortable scene. Yeah, and it just makes you realize that it just adds to the scary factor because these kids are dealing with this with no support from the adults or anything. No. Uh, And then, obviously one of the parts that was creepy was when Eddie goes, he's at school and the gym teacher says something to him about, has he showered yet from gym class? And apparently he has some kind of self-conscious thing where he doesn't want to shower at school. And, and you know, hypochondriac, there's untold number of germs right. in a public locker room shower. That's very true. And so the gym teacher doesn't let him get away with it and makes him go take a shower. And then while he's in the shower, all of a sudden the shower drain, or the shower faucet goes from cold to completely hot and then all the other shower faucets turn on and they start coming out of the walls Uh and chasing him and it's like scalding hot water that's trying to hit him and then all of a sudden you see the drain in it you see Pennywise's hands come out of the drain of the shower and spread the floor out and he pops up and starts you know I don't remember exactly what he says but he's scaring Eddie basically Uh, those were two of the a little more memorable ones for me if you want to talk about some of the ones you bought as well in the original? Oh, I, I think those two stood out for sure. Another one, going back to, to Beverly's character, was when she was older, mm-hmm. and they go back to Derry, of course, and she's going back to that same old apartment complex where her dad lived, and she right. not only has to find out that her dad has passed away, that's hard enough to deal as an adult, Right. but then furthermore, the old lady that lives where she used to ends up turning into like this kind of, I don't want to say zombie, but almost like a mummified corpse, Right. and I believe her dad's voice comes out of the corpse to taunt her yet again with blast from the past. Right. And so that's just kind of like a haunting moment where I was like, ooh, that was was really well done. And in my opinion, it was sort of, I don't want to say poorly done in It Chapter 2, but it was one of those moments that was just kind of a weird choice. Right. Because they use a similar old lady, and you think, oh boy, if you keep noticing that she's kind of, and they use violins very sharply to Mm -hmm. note that she's dashing through the hallways kind of creepily, and so you're, you're waiting for it, you're like, oh, God, what's she going to turn into? Right. And what she turns into, I can only best describe as a giant female version of Schmeagel. <laughs> and that's not exactly what you would call scary. Like, I'll be honest, in the first Lord of the Rings film, and partially in the second one, yeah, he is a, a little scary, and he's a little intimidating, but still not necessarily a character that you would take seriously. Right. And I, I don't know, I just I feel like Beverly could have stood her ground on that one and maybe fought that giant off but again seeing it for the first time coming at you your instinct is to run right so i get it but i just feel like the moment was done better well i think and that, scarier in the original right and i think that i just think it is another example of them going a little too far with the scares like when you watch the trailer for it chapter two it shows that scene and it does it very well and that was 10 times creepier than what this old lady eventually turns into i did not see that coming 
when I was watching the show. Like, I remembered that trailer, and it freaked me out, but I didn't realize it was going to turn into something a little too corny for my taste. But one thing I will say for that particular scene in both the original and the remake, you realize once she gets away from this creepy old lady and leaves the building, she turns and looks back at it, and the building is, like, condemned. And there's, like, bark, or not bars, but wood covering all the windows and everything. So she, like, went to this building and thought it was still inhabitable and and actually thought her dad still lived there. And then after all that happens and she leaves, you realize that this building's been condemned and nobody lives there. And I felt like that was a little... That was creepy, and that worked a lot better than <laughs> the giant Schmeichel character. Oh, for sure. And that was kind of an eerie way to look at it, you know, for her character. It was like, but no, no, I was in there. Right. I, I was there. It was, it was it was real, but that's what Pennywise does to you. Mm-hmm. Completely messes with your mind and takes what you think is reality and flips it up on its head and he shakes it around like a, a scary snow globe. <laughs> Basically. More or less. But yeah. I think those were most of the, the scary highlight moments from that original film. Uh, for me, the, the scariest one, in my opinion, has got to be the remake from 2017. Only because as I mentioned earlier in the podcast, they took the the scary moments from the original mini-TV series and just cranked it up to 11. Right. I mean, there were, were so many moments, and I, I think the biggest one, arguably, was probably the projector scene. That was just a classic, grade A. We've seen it in plenty of horror films before, and yet, I feel like they did it in such a way that it was their own, and they made it their own. So, of course, they're just going through a projector film role. I'm not sure if they're doing the homework, per se. It's been a while since I've, I've watched the, the first movie, because it, it, it terrified me the first go around just to be honest same um, didn't, didn't get a lot of sleep that first week after I watched the right. the film I'm sure I'm not alone in that aspect but there's a point where there's a picture of a lady mm. on the projector screen and then her hair starts to flow from shot to shot right and as it's flowing back and forth you slowly start to get glimpses of Pennywise just creepily smiling at them all mm-hmm. and then he comes out of the projector screen and he turns about five times larger He's just this creepy monster clown with claws going after him. Right. And you can tell that every one of them wants to get the heck out of that room pronto, just doing a backwards crab crawl. Oh, yeah. As fast as they can, and they're just visibly terrified. And, and you're in the theater like, oh, my, what's going to happen? Right. Like, are these kids going to make it out of this room? Right. And that actually, part of that was in the trailer for Chapter 1 as well. Not the whole thing, but, but I think, if I remember correctly, I think they were just watching old home movies of one of them. Could have been. And, and it was supposed to be one of their mothers that was in in the video and it turns into Pennywise. And I agree that was a very frightening scene. And then uh, another one of course is the, the headless burn victim child that's running around at the school as Ben's trying to do some research and figure out where did Pennywise come from? What's the mm-hmm. origin? How often does this happen? We get a fun little nod to the original mini TV series in the 2017 remake where they do it every 27 years and so if you do the math the original mini tv series came out in 1990 right. remake came out in 2017 simple arithmetic tells us 27 years right which is in the original it's important to note is in the original mini tv series it's every 30 years right so kind of a nice little nod to cap right to the original there but, yeah uh, so that was creepy to watch that running around and chasing after ben and then of course he at one point winds up in a locker to try and avoid it by himself and he thinks he's okay 
right. Right. But there's Pennywise again. Yeah, all of a sudden he turns around and Pennywise is in the locker standing right there with him. And it's just one of those other, you mentioned that there were a lot of jump scenes or moments in the first you know, remake, and there right. absolutely were. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of them, for sure, I think was the initial opening scene, of course, that iconic you know, boat floating down the, the sidewalk. Georgie finds this clown in the sewer, which, of course, you know, with children, it's like, why in the world would you even approach, you know, some object like that? Or you know, Yeah, I don't know. I mean, look, let's face it, clowns on the surface of it are creepy as heck anyway. I just don't see myself seeing a clown in a sewer drain and thinking, hey, let me go up and, and talk to him. Or, right, you but know, of course, I, just... I think that that's us logically thinking with our adult oh, friends. Oh, yeah, I know. In kid world, it's, well, how in the world did this clown get down here? Let's, right. you know, seems logical. Let's let's help him out. Yeah. And of course, the entity that is Pennywise knows that, and that's how he preys on these children. He works their fears and their joys into into one inter- interweaves them, if you will. Right. And of course, he gets Georgie's boat and says, you know, oh, how you doing there, Georgie? You want your boat back? Right. And then from there, I mean, I just I wasn't expecting that scene to be as aggressive as it was. Right. Per what I had heard from the original. Yeah. And so that that one really got me and set the tone really for the whole film. It was like, this is just how it's going to be. It's about to get raw. Strap, oh, yeah. strap yourself and in. If, here I'm not mis- <laughs> if I'm not mistaken, in the old one, like, he just goes up and reaches in to get his boat, and then it shows Pennywise go after him, and then it kind of cut. In the new one, it even shows him, like, pull back, and his arm is not there anymore, and he tries to run away. And then he and, gets drugged into the sewer. Right, yeah. So it, it was a intense. lot. It was a little more brutal in the remake than it was in the 90s, but... And to expand upon that, then you've got that flooded basement scene where Bill goes down mm-hmm. and he's already feeling terrible at that point about right. losing Georgie. He's trying to, he still thinks potentially that you know, all these happenings are going on in Derry and all these voices are coming out of drains and some of them, in some instances, are little Georgie and so he thinks maybe he's still he's still alive. I've still got a chance to save him. Right. And he sees him standing there in his full reindeer saying, come on Bill, let's go down to the sewer. You'll float too. Right. And then that just gets more aggressive and the next thing you notice is Pennywise coming up out of that water. Yeah, that was creepy. Running towards Bill full speed. Uh, very creepy. Yeah, and honestly, that was, like, again, that was part of what made the, the first half so scary and so good was that they had those jump scenes, but Pennywise was just not, you didn't see him near as much. And obviously, something that you know exists, but you don't see is a lot more scary than something that's always there. <laughs> or, Absolutely. you know, that the, just comes up unknown. out of nowhere all the time. Right. And then, of course, when they find end up getting to the the root source of where Pennywise dwells that uh, creepy old house you know there's all kinds of scenes in there right that just get your heart rate going a couple more jump cut scenes and then they really for the first time get to kind of see him as the entity he starts to transform from this clown into more of an alien type creature right so you really see that for the the first time as well and I think those are most of the the scary parts in that first remake yeah. which leads us to it chapter two um, as as we said before, there were more comedic moments than scary moments, but I think one that we talked about this earlier before we started the show, I feel like they could have done themselves a better service by starting with this particular scene that I'm about to mention. Right. So it's the one where they're at the softball game, and the mom's paying attention to the game more so than her child. Right. As often sometimes happens in real life, and I think the realism of that scene aided in the fact of its fear factor. Oh, yeah. 
And so the little girl is bored with the game. She sees a little firefly, innocent enough, mm-hmm. jumps off, goes under the bleachers. And then, of course, we throw physics out the door because <laughs> it's Pennywise's world and we're just living in it right. in this movie. And so it extends way farther than it should to a dark, dark portion right. of this underbench, if you will. Mm-hmm. And there's Pennywise catching the firefly and talking to the little girl. I believe her name is Vicky, if I'm not mistaken. I think so, yeah. In the film. And so, of course, he does what he often will do and lures her in, playing to her audience. She's got a little, I believe it's a birthmark or something. Yeah, I believe it's a birthmark. Mark or or rash on her face. And he starts talking about how no one likes him because of the way he looks and all he he can make it go away if she just comes a little bit closer. Right, and you even get a a split second where the kid's like, no, I'm good. My parents told me not to talk to strangers. And so she starts to leave. And you're like, oh, good. At least one of them has some sense. Right. And then, (laughs) no, Pennywise starts crying and acts like, nobody loves him and and he gets her and she turns around and oh it was it was intense that was really like it doesn't show it per se but it shows enough that you're like oh crap that really just happened oh you you know what goes down right for sure and i would say that that was one of the 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 creepiest parts of part two to me uh the other one in my opinion is when towards the end or closer to the end when all of the the losers are together and they decide that they're going to go in this house and, and find and fight Pennywise. And so they're all together in this house. And then all of a sudden, somehow, another cliche moment in a horror movie, they all get split up in the house. And there's three to each group, I guess. And so in one room, Bill, Richie, and Eddie are, you know, walking through trying to figure out what's going on and where the others are and everything. They end up in a room with a freezer in it or refrigerator, whichever it is. And all of a sudden, it starts shaking and everything and and then it opens do they open it or was it no, just it, open? it opens it okay. kind of kicks itself open right so it kicks itself open and you see a body just sitting in there all mangled and everything and it turns out to be stan but it's his younger self and so stan kind of looks up and they all kind of freak out and then all of a sudden stan's head falls off and it kind of is a callback to the first the re- i mean the original because in the original they see Stan's head in a refrigerator at one point and he kind of talks to them and tells them it's all your fault that I'm dead and blah 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 and so it kind of looked the same in that respect between the original and the new but in the new Stan's head is sitting there talking to him and then all of a sudden these legs start popping out of his cheeks and his eyes and all this and he kind of turns into a like his head is the body of a spider and so the three of them which was Bill, Eddie, and Richie, the three of them have to fight this spider stand. Spider stand. <laughs> spider stand. <laughs> right. And so, while that's going on and they're fighting them, in the other room, the other three losers, if you want to tell this one. Oh, yeah, because it was one that's, you know, again, a callback to, of course, the remake in 2017, and also further back, the callback to the one in 1990. Right. So, initially, you know, Bowers, the the ultimate bully of the town for the losers, is carving, I believe it's either the word fat or loser. I believe it's fat, though. Yeah, I think it's like fat boy or something like that. into the belly of Ben. 
them there by the bridge, where they initially eventually find the rock quarry and then later on figure out the way to the sewer mm-hmm. in the original. But so he is getting carved up, and so Mike is holding him where he's you know, wriggling around like, oh my god! Mm-hmm. And of course, Pennywise, unbeknownst to us, is the one actually doing the carving. Right. And is saying, you know, home at last. And so, of course, Beverly realizes that she looks to see in a mirror, and then you get to see very, very creepy oh, Pennywise yeah. clown just carving him up like a jack-o'-lantern. Mm-hmm. And at that moment, they realize if they break the mirror, in theory, maybe, you know, that will stop the, the carving because the next place that right, Pennywise yeah. goes is the place you don't want to, anyone to ever go. Right. And that's right at the jugular. And yeah, so, he puts the knife up against his throat and, and you think, oh, holy crap, they can't even see this thing. What are they going to do to stop it? They couldn't stop him from, you know, writing home at last in his stomach. So how are they going to stop him from cutting Ben's throat? And so, of course, Beverly, in a you know, quick action of thinking, takes the gate post that she picked up in the yard right. and smashes the mirror. And, of course, it fades away as if it never happened. And right. great timing because if she would have waited a second longer... Yeah, it would have been bad. It would have been bad news bears. Definitely. Yeah. And on one hand, I like that whole scene was, was freaky. I'll get out. But on the other hand, I'm like, oh, kind of convenient that they just break the mirror and it goes away. But, I mean, you got to put in some kind of alternative or something that they can do to stop this. So, I mean, you just got to chalk it up to that. But And, you know, I think with, with Pennywise's character, that's ultimately what he does, right? He tries to make you believe that you're in this horrible situation. Right. Because he feeds not only on your flesh, but your fear. Right. So that's a, a big part of his. There was a Pennywise food pyramid. Right. Fear would be at top and then so on and so forth. <laughs> right, yeah. And then another notable difference between the original and the remake is that this house that is creepy as all heck in the new one is apparently somehow connected to the sewer. And in the old movie, there really wasn't a house. I mean, they, they pretty much just found the sewer like a big entrance to it. Right, which the house is mentioned to an extent. Stan finds it along the way. He kept hearing these voices coming out of this creepy old house. Right. And he, quote-unquote, from Bill's character in that particular original miniseries, actually gets to see, you know, the real Pennywise. Right. Uh, which we find out later ends up being the spider creature. Right. Um, and, of course, you know, that leads into the, the end of the film where they, they try the ritual and they find out at that moment right. Mike didn't exactly tell them everything. Yeah, that's a bad time to find out. Terrible but... time to find out because they've already used all of their tokens mm-hmm. and they think they've got the deadlights. They're encapsulated, everything, they're done and then, of course, you see this huge billowing red balloon right. that comes out and that's when you know they're in trouble. Yeah, and then what comes is a just, I don't even know how to explain it, just a big crescendo basically to the movie and, and all of them fighting Pennywise in their own ways and having to deal with all of their own individual fears and but that's about it <laughs> I mean and honestly the 90s version wasn't much better than that or wasn't much more than that but it was just kind of a to me it was a little bit of an anticlimactic ending um, basically they all realized that the way to kill him is to put him down and insult him <laughs> until he's weak which is I mean obviously it's a little more drawn out and, and done better than just me saying that but in simplest terms they bully him until he is so weak that they can end him right and they you know sort 
sort of uh, find a way to plunge their hand in and rip out his heart, much like right. they do in the original miniseries. Right. And then, of course, they crush it, and that is the official end of Pennywise. But I think a, a cool moment in that scene was the way that they chose to do the combo of Pennywise the clown right. Right. and it, the alien entity creature, because we got that combo of where you got this spider body with these razor-sharp claws yeah. and then still had that Pennywise head where he still was able to talk some smack to the losers and try Definitely. to instill that fear in them verbally and say, you know, you fools, like you thought you could end me, I'm the eater of worlds, as he says in the original right. miniseries, which I think is a little bit cocky for an alien that only ever stayed in Maine. <laughs> right. But, you know, still, he's trying to talk them down and, and end them before they end him. Right, and honestly, I mean, yeah, cocky, but at the same time, it's also kind of odd that a group of kids, or now adults, are the ones that are able to defeat this epic entity from space that, you know, has a lot bigger of a, I guess, backstory, which we, honestly, in both versions, we don't really, I would have liked to have seen more of where he came from and what he actually is. I understand that they couldn't do all of that in the movies, but I find it interesting, the macroverse and the, you know, him being the evil entity and there being another good entity that was apparently some kind of big space turtle, you know, I would have, it was intriguing enough that I want to know more about that, and unfortunately you don't get more of that in the new or the old version. But I will say that in the new version, the spider creature that they fight at the end was a, was done a lot better. I like Pennywise being part of that spider creature versus just a spider in the original miniseries. So I will give them that, that that was much better. I think ultimately it, it ties up you know a lot of the loose ends. Of course, unfortunately not all of the losers make it. True. We, uh, unfortunately lose Eddie in a brave act heroism. Right. He has that freeze-up moment back to the you know Stan Spiderhead scene where he freezes right. up and, and can't really take him out. And so he makes up for it and they I have kind of that cheesy moment where Beverly still has the gate spoke in her hand and right. she hands it off almost like the baton to Eddie and says this will kill, kill monsters if you believe it. Right. Kind of a callback to the original miniseries where they use those uh, quote unquote silver bullet balls right. in the slingshot and they say you know this will this will take take out it because of course uh, there was that one flashback for I believe it was Richie's character and when he was younger played by Seth Green somebody we uh, got to mention earlier who right. gets a, a right. nice starting role in that film. In the original miniseries yeah. Correct. And so you know he's haunted by the Wolfman. That's the form that right. it takes. They watched that horror movie before that week, and mm-hmm. so he fed off of that. And so they said, "Well, let's get. You know, we need our silver bullets if we're going to take out this this monster." Right. And so same concept with that iron rod gate piece. You know, of course, Eddie throws it right down the pipe, perfect, and nails it. Yeah. And they think that's enough to knock him out, right. but of course, not really. He comes back for round two, and that's when they realize they need to to talk him down and belittle him quite literally. Right. <laughs> right. Until he turns into like a baby clown, which was a little off-putting, but at the same time, it, you gotta you gotta do it somehow. They gotta end it somehow. So um, overall, I would just say that I I liked the '90s miniseries and I liked the remake. There were pluses and minuses to both of them, but I would definitely recommend seeing both of them, both of the new remake and the miniseries for sure. And I, I think it allows you to to appreciate it as a whole, having seen both. Right. And so that's gonna wrap things up for us here on this edition of Nerdy by Nature, so be sure to be on the lookout for our next episode. We're going to keep it rolling with the movie theme here and give you a full 
nerdy by nature review of the latest blockbuster hit that just dropped this weekend and that is the sci-fi thriller ad astra featuring brad pitt ruth nega that name might sound familiar to some of the listeners she had moments in marvel agents of shield also played on preacher and was alongside brad pitt in world war z and of course we've got seasoned actors such as donald sutherland and tommy lee jones so i think this one's gonna be a fun one to watch it's right now currently got an 80 percent by both metacritic and rotten tomatoes Mm -hmm. and really the metacritic one is more impressive to me because they're usually much more critical when it comes to their movie reviews whereas i feel rotten tomatoes is they leave more room for error right and they seem to be a little more generous when they do a movie review right definitely and uh, again we appreciate you all listening so be sure to hit the like button share with your friends and family and by all means leave us a comment as to the content that you want to hear moving forward or if you want to just have an open discussion about this or other episodes feel free we're always happy to hit you back with answers as soon as possible and for myself this is agent smith signing off and i'm captain rogers god bless (laughs) 